Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. Greetings, Jared. It is such a pleasure to have you here, I must say, and may the force be with you. May the force be with me, and Dom. Uh, praise the sun. Praise the, If you praise the sun and you have the force by your side, I think you're pretty undefeatable at that point. If only I could be so grossly incandescent. <laughs> Man, I, I just thought of Solaire rocking uh, like a yellow lightsaber. It'd be dope. Has, oh, you guys obviously know a lot more about Star Wars than I do. Has there ever been, I know probably Legends, but in canon has there been somebody rocking a yellow lightsaber? Yeah, the temple Jedi Temple Guards. Oh, cool. Yep. It's a cool or, shit. Because they're uh, the only ones I know of from the movies are obviously purple, red, blue, green. Yeah. I think that's it. And then obviously, yeah, I don't young. think there has been an on-screen orange lightsaber. I think that has only been in video games. Oh, okay. And then are those all the primary colors? Do we go through all the primary? Colors? <laughs> That's what I'm excited for with Jedi Fallen Order. The rumors and the previews talking about uh, lightsaber customization is that you might get to pick your own colored uh, oh. kyber crystal. There's uh, technically, I guess you could say, another color, which makes an on-screen appearance, and that is white. White. How would it... It's not. It's in uh, Star Wars Rebels with Ahsoka's lightsabers. Okay. But, uh, yeah, basically she has to purify the crystal, and that turns it white. Mm. The kyber crystal. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Is she? They they talk about in her novel about how like the reason that Sith people have uh, red lightsabers is because they go through this process of bleeding the kyber crystal. And that's what okay. turns it red. Also, as far as orange, I would say you shouldn't have asked me about Star Wars, Jared. That was a bad choice. Um, <laughs> I would say about uh, the orange, I would actually consider Kylo Ren's lightsaber orange, more orange than red for me. Like a yeah, like it's like a not passion fruit, like a a blood orange, blood orange. Right. Yeah, yeah. like a like a like a blood orange. Yes. <laughs> grapefruit, uh, like a grapefruit yes that was our lightsaber discussion for the beginning of the podcast always riveting i love yeah. lightsabers well I'm, what before we finish real quick what color is your lightsaber general i would you're asking which like what, what we, if we could choose yeah and i guess what are you going to be generally rocking once you boot up uh jedi fallen order so my my favorite colors are purple, orange, and gray, right? Orange depends okay. on, like, what kind of orange I could rock. Purple yeah. kind of is – it was kind of ruined by the whole Mace Windu. Yeah, I wanted a purple lightsaber. I asked for one, so they gave it to me kind of thing. But I still might rock a purple lightsaber. And gray I don't think just would be interesting enough. Like, because in, in this idea, I'm a, a Jedi myself, and I wouldn't really be sure. – I'd be a Jedi and not a Sith, so gray wouldn't really make sense. So I guess like a purple, like gotcha. a vibrant purple. A little bit brighter than gotcha. Mace Windu's. I would go mm-hmm. baby blue. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, uh, I would be purple for sure, and then 
uh, probably green would be my secondary choice. But I would also really love uh, just going with the white lightsaber because I think I would be a gray Jedi, which I won't go into the whole lore about that, but uh, I think that would... Which is like why Ahsoka has the white lightsabers is because she's a gray Jedi. So, um, yeah, I think that'd be cool. Cerulean would be nice, like a, like a bluish-greenish kind of. That'd be pretty dope, too. Ooh, Cerulean. Cerulean City. Uh, in terms of what we've been playing, uh, Outer Worlds. So, had, did you get a chance to play some this week, Dom? Yeah, a little bit. It's a couple hours. I'm still in that right. first town. But, yeah, got it. Got in there. Real interested so, to hear the thoughts this week. So, for those listening, we're recording earlier than usual. So, instead of recording on Thursdays, we're recording on Wednesdays. Um, so, that's why we might have less on our plate in terms of what we've experienced this week. For Real the Outer Worlds, quick, before I, you jump in, I just want to say about Outer Worlds, you guys might uh, feel this with other games, but this is a game for me that I am not interested in playing, but I'm very interested to see how this game turned out. Yeah, I, I get that way sometimes too. It's like you it's not necessarily something you want to experience yourself, but everything surrounding the game and the type of game it is itself, you're kind of interested in all the, the things right. going on. Yeah. Uh, so... I've played about seven hours, I think, in total now. I've left that initial planet, the one where you're at now, Dom, uh, with Edgewater and all that. Um, and this isn't a spoiler. When you get to the end of that first area, there's a decision you have to be that you have to make one way or another, and that dictates things that happen on that planet. And then you're able to leave that planet and go to different destinations. Uh, obviously, that's called the Outer Worlds. So you can go to all these different planets. And it seems like you can tackle them, uh, not necessarily in any order you want, but there's a couple of options you have between a couple of spaceships and another planet you can go down to. The decision-making in this game is really cool, continues to be excuse me, very much inspired by Fallout and Western RPGs. The decision you make at the end that dictates how things change drastically changes that area in major ways, and... It's one of the first times in these type of games where I genuinely had a hard time making the decision one way or another of what to choose. Normally, it's like there's an obvious choice you can make or there's the rebellious choice, right? And it's kind of pretty evident of like, oh, what kind of player do you want to be in this game? I would say for this, the, that first decision doesn't necessarily have a right or wrong answer. And some of the characters provide really good arguments as to why you should choose one way or another. And I talked about last week how this game has great writing. The first couple of companions I've picked up, because on this first planet area, I was able to pick up two companions. I think there's a total of six or seven in the game. Um, and I don't know if I missed somebody on that initial area. But they're super well written. They're very diverse. Their their backstories are really interesting. I like that sometimes in these games you can just go out of your way to talk to the companion and find out their whole backstory, yada, 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 and then get their side quest, do their side quest, and then you're kind of done with that character. You can still interact with them, but the depth there kind of goes away through those initial reactions, right? You get it all out of the way in like 10, 15 minutes, and then you're good with that character. And you either build build a relationship then and there, or you never really build that relationship. With this game... It kind of unfolds slowly where you'll be walking through areas and your companion will mention something based on the area you guys are in or the people that you're interacting with. 
and they'll make a comment, right? You'll hear it in the background. And afterwards you can go up to them and, and be like, hey, I have a question regarding something you said back there. So it kind of triggers based on certain areas you take them to. And they're not always mandatory places or mandatory characters you need to talk with. So there's a lot of missable stuff there. Uh, another thing I didn't mention last week that I noticed playing for an extended period of time since then is this game does a really good job of rewarding exploration despite it not having the scale uh, that Fallout games do, right? It's a much smaller scale game. The area for this first planet isn't very large, but there still are little nooks and crannies that if you explore, you're rewarded with some really cool uh, items. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'd say... Um... I mean, we've already said a lot, and I don't really, I don't have too much new, especially after what you just added. But I would say I, the the combat, the shooting is a little bit better than I had anticipated, um, and I guess that makes sense. It, I mean, it's it is still a newer game, even though it's smaller scale. Uh, I think that mostly applies to you know like scope, uh, you know, like the literal size of the worlds, right? As far as I yeah. can tell, because the mechanics. Um, I don't know, they're a little bit tighter than I thought. I think they're on par with Fallout 4, like you said, Jared, but the difference being that in Fallout 4, the shooting kind of sucks ass intentionally. I mean, especially early on, because all your guns are literally like duct taped together pipe guns, right? (laughs) So, of course, I mean, they have a lot of kick and they don't aim that well, but it it always feels like that's how it's supposed to be. Like, it wouldn't, right? Whereas in the Outer Worlds... um, you're in the future. You're in space. So you, uh, I mean, your gun should be a little bit more Call of Duty-esque and where it's unrealistically low, low recoil, that kind of thing. Um, but they feel it feels good and it, it all makes sense. So I've been, I was pleasantly surprised the combat feels uh, better than I anticipated, especially when everything yeah. else feels like a direct sequel to New Vegas, which is, you know, horrendously, it's just old. So the combat is super dated in that game. Yeah. So I kind of like, for some reason, I was expecting that, um, but it feels much better. So, so yeah, it, it exceeds that, and it still has that excellent writing, right? Because, like, with New Vegas, yeah. you're right, the oh, yeah. combat is super dated, but that writing's still there. It's still a great experience. Um, yeah. So, the combat, I have been wondering recently, like, it seems like with Fallout games and between uh, Bethesda and Obsidian doing Fallout 3 and New Vegas... It seems like they obviously had the RPG elements down and the world building, all of that, but um, people have major complaints about the shooting there, and it seems like, obviously, Dom, you don't hate it, but it still seems like it's not up to par with something like Borderlands, for example, right? My question is, people can do it. You know, people can make these big games, The Division or Destiny, these big open world games uh, with quality shooting mechanics. Um, why don't these games do it? Why isn't Bethesda doing it? Or why isn't uh, Obsidian doing it here? I get why the faces don't look as good as The Division. The budget's not there, right? But I don't necessarily see budget equating to how good your shooting mechanics are. So I'm just wondering why they haven't been able to figure it out when clearly other people have. I think in this case, it's probably a little bit... It's impacted by the budget um but in the case of like fallout 4 yeah they could have they could have made the shooting you know way better yeah that's what i'm saying is like but that makes sense for this game but for the bethesda studios games it's like 
why are their Fallout games still shitty about shooting? I just, it's not, it can't be that fucking mind-boggling. There's plenty think, no, of studios I mean, making I think it's, great first-person shooters. I think it's purely intentional. I mean, that's, that's the Focus. game design. It's, I think it's you know? focused on different areas, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, especially with Obsidian, I think that their focus was on writing and quest development and that stuff and not necessarily on the shooting mechanics. Because to your point, like with Borderlands, right? Borderlands has phenomenal shooting mechanics, but most people could care two shits about the story in that game, right? People often right. joke about the writing. Whereas with Obsidian, and especially the Outer Worlds, no one's going to question the writing in the game. But one of its biggest, like, weaknesses is, well, the combat's good, but it, it's, you know, it's... Subpar. That's what good I'm saying. Is no one's questioning of. the writing, so why would you dump all your budget into that? Why wouldn't you try to fix that shooting? Why wouldn't you make that more of a focus for your game development? Uh, I don't. I don't know, think it's so. broken though. I think. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's broken. I think it's. I think it's better. I, the. Th- I think the worst case scenario in all of the games you kind of mentioned, I think, are the Elder Scrolls games because their their magic casting stuff isn't bad. Their melee combat is pretty poor right it's it's pretty poor like with the sword fighting and hammers and all that stuff with fallout i think the the melee combat is i think a little bit better than elder scrolls maybe and their shooting is obviously not very good in comparison to most modern shooters i just think it's from a a game director perspective you you put focuses on things and i think when you're trying to deliver a certain type of project they put you know they have 10 eggs they're going to put eight eggs in the rpg world building writing character development and they're going to put two eggs in the the shooting because they know that their project is focusing on one side as opposed to the other and they're not necessarily broken like they're obviously playable it's just deciding where you want to put your focus on you know because i'd much rather have an outer worlds game with 10 like 10 out of 10 writing and world development and characters and uh, a 7.58 shooting then for them to go okay let's focus on making the shooting better we get a 9 shooting but then the story world building all that stuff falls off just a little bit even at that, that you know that all makes sense for this game the outer worlds but it still does it still kind of boggles my mind looking at Bethesda game studios i mean well Witcher 3 was a kick in the mouth resources. like Witcher 3 not, was a kick in the mouth not enough because Fallout 4 came out after that well, it was in development. You know what I mean? It didn't come out much after that. Sure. sure. Um, but I think that was a kick in the teeth in terms of them seeing, like, oh, where the bar is. And I do think – so, obviously, things don't happen in a vacuum. In a world where Witcher 3 never came out, okay, because Witcher 3 mm-hmm. was such a phenomenon when it released in terms of Western RPGs. Well, feeling like a Western RPG, obviously, it was developed in, in Europe. Still technically Western, but um, – Yeah, Europe's the West. Yeah. So, if that game never released, I think we probably would have gotten Elder Scrolls or Starfield sooner than we have. But I genuinely believe that when that game released, Bethesda realized, and obviously I'm talking about a section of it because you can talk about, oh, but they released Fallout 76 and that was broken, yada, yada. I'm talking about, like, big picture. I think they saw, like, oh, if we release these games how we have been (laughs) worth incremental upgrades but people still love our systems and stuff, it's not going to be enough anymore, right? And I do think... I mean, Starfield and Elder Scrolls 6 will still release buggy. That's just the way it is. And the way that Elder Scrolls approaches, Bethesda approaches their game development. But I do think that they're, they're, they have to hit a new quality threshold. Like the bar, the bottom bar that you can achieve with, like you said, combat and stuff has lifted to a point where there will be an unacceptable level. Whether that 
So do you think that... Sorry, do you think that uh, if Starfield has shooting mechanics to the extent of Outer Worlds, let's say, will it be anywhere near the realm of Borderlands quality shooting? No. I just don't think that's what those games go for, yeah. I, I would never buy a Bethesda game hoping for it to have the shooting mechanics of... Yeah, I don't. But you gotta realize that that whether or not whether or not that's why you guys are buying the game, why you enjoy the game, why people are into the games, it is nonetheless a major aspect of the game. So much so that you're doing it probably most of the time. I would say you're probably doing that sixty percent of the time, and then maybe you know talking to people, selling items forty percent of the time. So it's like if that's that big of a chunk of your game, whether or not you guys think. Like, would you not be ecstatic to get a, a Bethesda game or a an Obsidian game that's like Fallout, essentially, that has the great RPG aspects and story that you've come to know and love from those uh, series, but then also has uh, shooting mechanics that can near-rival Borderlands, for example? I don't think so. So I think, I think we're conflating... You would be ecstatic like... for that. Not, like, I mean, it already it, ha- it has everything else that you love about it, right? It, they they nailed that, but then it also has way awesome shooting mechanics, which you're doing a lot of. Right. So that's what I'm saying is like the way you worded that. Yes, I would, but to me, that's what it already is. Like to me, I love the shooting mechanics in Fallout games. Like it's already good, just because it's not fast and like hyper speed and perfectly accurate. Like to me, that's not what makes it something good. I think that's a progression, just like you know. A, a turn-based RPG game. That's all there used to be, right? And eventually we got, like, you know, live-action type... Not live-action, but, you know, um, non-timed games, right? That's that's one pro- a progression of a, a game system, but we still have turn-based RPGs, right? Like, that style of, of gameplay is still good. It didn't go away, and I think it's still valued. And I think that's the same thing. Like, like, in Fallout games, the combat is deliberately... It might... It also happens to cost less, yeah, so they can put more budget in other places probably, but it still is deliberate in its design choices, I think. Like, there's not that many enemies on screen, and you have to... It's a little more strategic. To me, like, that is good. That's what I want, and it's a little it's a little janky, but that's always been the point of it. That's always, like, that's what I do want out of it. I don't want a fast-paced Borderlands-type gunplay in my Fallout game. That I wouldn't want that. I mean, unless, you know, then it would be a different thing. Well, um, then that, that changes might also the entire good, game design of the game. Yeah, I'm not talking, but that's not right. what I'm talking about. I'm talking about altering the uh, way in which you interact with it, or the way in which you go about shooting. For example, I'm talking about changing the quality of. I mean, it's hard to describe. It's it's very kind of minutia thing, but like just the quality of the gameplay generally when it comes to combat. I think it sounds to me, Dom, like you're saying it doesn't necessarily need to be improved, but. I think we can all agree that the general sentiment when it comes to Bethesda games and uh, the you know Beth- the Obsidian games when it comes to Fallout New Vegas and Outer Worlds, I think we can all agree the sentiment generally is that the combat needs improvement or could be much improved. I think yeah, couldn't maybe. I think I it's more disagree. of a. I just think it's a more of a, a could be argument as opposed to should because I think most people are gonna buy. I mean. If it reviews well, I'm not not talking about Fallout 76, but if Starfield or Elder Scrolls 6 comes out and it improves all of the stuff that Skyrim did well or Fallout did well and it improves all of that and the shooting is still subpar to meh, 
I still think people are going to run out to buy the game because that's not what they're looking for. Uh, it, like with Borderlands, right? So Borderlands has excellent shooting. It doesn't have a lot of the other elements that I'd want in a game, so I pass on it and purchase it. Whereas with like the Outer Worlds or even Fallout 4 at launch, I knew that those games weren't going to have top-end shooting mechanics. That's not what I necessarily went in for, and I bought the game, and right. I'm fine with that, right? So it's like... But see, that's, I, I, how, that's how you go from a Fallout 4 situation where the game sold well, people, you know, generally the Metacritic's solid and all that. It's not a Fallout 76 by any stretch of the imagination. That's for how you go from a Fallout 4 to a Red Dead 2 or, or something that's more of a masterpiece level, right? Where you sell bajillions of copies, right? Like, that gets... So, if the shooting sucks in Starfield... You guys will probably still buy it because you love Bethesda games and that style, right? But it's not going to hook people like me or other people that may have been on the fence but really need solid gameplay in their RPGs, right? And that, I think, if it's fine if Bethesda, and it seems like they are both Bethesda, I think Obsidian is more a, a conversation of financials, but Bethesda, Bethesda seems to be like not necessarily concerned about you know, cleaning up the bugs or cleaning up the combat. So if they want to be an 8.5 as opposed to a 9 or a 10, that's up to them. But I think that you, it pays off when you, you know, go the extra mile. You can't be a masterpiece when one major part of your movie, game, whatever, is sorely lacking, right? So I think that's just the the little gray area that bumps you from one level to the other. Yeah, the tough thing though, with like, so GTA Five didn't really improve on the shooting mechanics of GTA Four. Still, arguably one of the best-selling games of all time, right? It's still a glaring it's still thing. Probably about, better than the shooting mechanics in Bethesda games. I would strong. I mean, I strongly disagree, but like, they're not great. And then with Red Dead Two, right? Red Dead Two comes out, and it still has a lot of the control issues people face with the first Red Dead. And that was a glaring issue that people had with that game. Not necessarily for me. Like, I enjoyed that game. And I didn't think the controls were that big of a detriment. But you go online and you read almost any review of Red Dead 2, and they're going to talk about how bad the controls are. Well, I think when people are talking about the controls, they're talking about, like, how, like, weapon swapping and how you can accidentally shoot people in the face when you're trying to say hello in the middle of a town. Like, stuff like that, as opposed to... Your horse tripping on a rock. Yeah, like, that. as opposed to how well the actual gun mechanics are. Now, I will say, Red Dead is that's the reason it's same thing as vats it's the reason they have the what's the, the crutch mechanic dead yeah. shot dead yeah. eye dead shot oh, dead, dead eye. eye dead eye yeah dead um, eye. <laughs> that's why they have that is because yeah they need a crutch maybe uh rockstar games aren't the best example here for me to use because they are also known to not uh you know, kind of improve upon the stuff that people have been complaining about in many ways Although, they're the exception think, not the rule like for right. a lot that's, of reasons that's the thing is i think you can see that uh gta and, and red dead 2 did better than fallout 4 so i just Bethesda feel like it doesn't quite not, have that luxury for shooting i feel like everyone has conflated good with you know tight and fast and frenetic you know like doom 2016 and call of duty and borderlands as yeah, you know those are the best shooter I'm talking mechanics about. Right? i'm talking about the tightness it's all about the tightness Yeah, but I, I, that's, I guess that's still part of it, too, for me. It's like, I don't know that that's necessarily good. That might be more fun in the most, like, literal, visceral sense, but that wouldn't make sense in a Fallout game. Certainly not in Red Dead, right? Like, 
it would never be fast. It would never be tight. Wait, you're even, telling me it wouldn't know? make sense for me to point my rifle in Red Dead and for the bullet to actually go where the reticle is pointed, where my mind and the game is telling me it's supposed to go. Correct. I think that, that Absolutely. would much improve it. No, that why would you? Why would you want a game where it, it's it's not like doing what you're asking it to do and what it's telling you it's going to do if you ask it to do that? Because ultimately you're shooting a, an 1860s, you know, or 1815 musket or whatever, so it's not going to be accurate, right? It's not going to go where you point sure, it. But I, I don't. It's going to be clunky to reload and so on, right? You're not going to be able to just that... switch real fast and jump and yada yada. Reload speed is one thing, but like, like if you're using a sniper rifle in those games, it's still not quite there. I th- I don't think it's an artistic choice like that. I don't think that there are, you know, Rockstar and Bethesda are making less than stellar shooting mechanics because they're trying to say, well, you're using you know, guns built from pieces found in the wasteland, or you're using guns from the 1860s, like. Like Jared said, the GTA shooting shitty, and they're using modern weaponry. You know, it's I, I think yeah, it's just so yeah. a lack yeah, but, of quali- a pure lack of quality, not an artistic choice. But, but even then, the, I think the like modern could... shooters, like futuristic ones or whatever, like it's just it's hype. It's not it's not realistic in any world. You know that isn't that is isn't nonfiction, right? Like in GTA, yeah, you're using modern guns, but you're still just a dude on the streets. Like you're not a super soldier captain america who can aim perfectly like in call of duty like that's impossible how quickly you can aim and do things and stuff you know i mean that's just not possible for a human yeah like i said you're kind of talking about artistic choice of like oh trevor is not a sharpshooter therefore that's why his gun isn't shooting as accurately as like someone in you know like ghost recon for example and i i don't i think you're thinking deeper than the developers are on that and that uh situation because i think Maybe. it's just they're not putting it's like they're not putting their ability points into that column you know they're they're it's kind of like what uh naughty dog tried to do about drake like oh drake doesn't get shot in the uncharted games he just runs out of luck i'm like what the fuck are you talking about yeah when you die in uncharted he's just running out of luck that's not him actually getting shot like five or six times and then finally dying yeah, it's like I no, d- dude. You it, it you don't need to. You're trying to over-explain it, I think, is is uh, trying to kind of like help it out when it's it's not necessarily deserving. I just think that the, with so many deadlines and everything, all the milestones that they have to hit with the publishers, I think that game developers have to pick and choose what things they focus on. For instance, uh, Destiny, right? Destiny has some of the best shooting mechanics in all of video games. Their campaigns and all that stuff is like not very good at all so the argument can be made well yeah. if you're trying to release a triple a game that's supposed to be the next sci-fi big franchise why would you not focus on putting together an engaging story that actually has like a neat interesting through line of a narrative and you just piece together now, these missions that don't really feel like anything i would actually say compared to destiny one destiny 2's campaign was a massive improvement now Destiny 1's campaign was pretty fucking abysmal, so that's not saying too, too much, but I do think it, that they at least tried. I, I could certainly tell that they were trying. There's also something to be said for the fact that the story was gutted kind of last minute for Destiny 1, um, but that's what I'm saying. is like I'm not seeing them try here, and I get the argument for 
Obsidian up until this point. Now they're owned by Microsoft, but Bethesda Studios does just not have an excuse for me when it comes to, you know, time or resources or whatever. I think they could probably figure it out. Obsidian, different story. But, uh, well, like I said, until now. But, uh, yeah, I see Bungie trying to make a better story. Even if it's not The Last of Us, they're trying. And I don't see Bethesda trying. And But I'm not, like I said, this is the difference between you guys continuing to buy their games and them finding a new customer and someone like me. So if they're not trying to expand their business, then by all means, don't try harder. Don't try to make things better like Bungie was doing. Also, but, we're uh, otherwise until I'm Starfield and probably. Elder Scrolls Six comes out, we're gonna have to sit and wait to see what exactly happens with them because Fallout sure. seventy six, the trash fire it was, was made on the not Fallout Four a engine. BGS game, and not a BGS game, exactly. Not a Bethesda Game Studios game, and as you uh, accurately pointed out, Fallout Four, although it had the kick in the teeth of they had the kick in the teeth of Witcher Three it probably came too late for them to change course that late in the game's development. Yeah, so Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six, we'll see where they lie on that end. Maybe they will yeah. upgrade it to a point where they do grab a new audience like you, you know? So, we'll see. Sure. We we went kind of long on that, so let's all try to be not super brief, but pretty. we've already half an hour into the podcast because of that lengthy discussion, but it's great. It's what we're here for, talking about video games. Uh, yeah, I so, think it's good for us to look at kind of benchmark titles and maybe dive a little bit bit deeper with um outer worlds i think like i said i'm not even playing it and i think you can you can feel kind of the excitement in the industry for a game like this so yeah uh so i mentioned outer worlds the only other thing i wanted to mention call of duty modern warfare i've been playing some more of that haven't touched the campaign again this week but played some more multiplayer a lot of the maps i really am enjoying one of the maps is arguably the worst call of duty map i've ever played in my history of call of duty whoa it's awful. Uh, remember last week I mentioned that Piccadilly mission at the beginning where it takes place in London and you're trying to save civilians from terrorists? Yeah. The map for that story mission, because there's always like, you know, they have multiplayer maps yeah. that are tied to the campaign. The equivalent. It is awful. It's a tiny little square with like a fountain in the middle with some buses. The run lines and shoot lines are terrible in the map. The spawning is, and everyone always jokes like, oh, Call of Duty spawning sucks. It's so small and confined with such narrow passageways that it invites uh, camping. And if somebody gets on a huge kill streak, the match is pretty much over. So it's like just not very fun to play either. Damn. Um, other than that, a lot of the other maps are super enjoyable, a nice a variety of size. Uh, so you can either decide to go and run and gun or maybe snipe on some maps. And I felt a good variety in that of I go into a multiplayer game. I'm like, oh, what map is this? I think I'm going to snipe this one. You know, so I'm not stuck using the same classes over and over again. Um, How's the shooting in that game, Jared? Is it oh, I mean, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, okay, it's better than the Outer Worlds. <laughs> uh, but you can't shoot a weird gorilla alien in it, so I don't know. It doesn't have the points yeah. that Outer Worlds has. Uh, that's pretty much it for me. Totally uh, different ballgame. Outside of Outer Worlds, Dom, anything else you wanted to mention? No, that's been it. It's not been too much this week. so. Okay. Uh, Jordan, anything before we head into news you want to tell us about you played? Absolutely. Uh, didn't pl- actually play anything, Jared. So if you want to skip over anything else, that's fine with me. Uh, no, you're, you're, you can go ahead and let us know what else you experienced. Sure. Uh, so I finished the second season of Ghosts in the Shell Standalone Complex. 
uh, still a movie to be watched that goes along with that series, but uh, that is the one that they're going to be continuing on Netflix in 2020. So, um, solid series, I think probably lower, I think, on the scale, like I said, with my uh, Ghost in the Shell ranking, but, you know, the other stuff is pretty fucking special, so it's um, got a lot of wordy, like, socio-political dialogue um, that gets a little bit bogged down with dialogue, but uh, it's still cool Ghost in the Shell cyberpunk shit, so there's that. Uh, some comics I read. Huge shout out to Deceased. Jared, have you thought about reading Deceased? I'm currently reading it. I haven't read Six that came out today, but yeah, I've been reading it. Ooh. Even the one shot yeah, that came so out, the, like a day to die or whatever the hell it's called. Right, yeah. It's got six issues in a one shot, and the sixth issue just came out today. Uh, so I was able to uh, go through it since... Um, you know, I'm waiting usually on miniseries these days, and I think that that has paid off very well. Um, I love Deceased. It is written by Tom Taylor, who uh, also wrote Injustice, and I think it's really cool when you look at um, him getting taken off the leash to do this kind of Elseworld style stuff in the DC universe. Uh, Injustice is the Justice League fighting each other, falling apart, and this is the Justice League working together, falling apart. So, uh, really cool situations that he gets to work with and gets to go all out. There's, you know, it's outside of continuity, so he can do whatever he wants. And I'd like to give a shout out to the, to the way he writes Damien Wayne, who is Robin, uh, Black Canary and Green Arrow as a couple. And then Harley and Ivy as a couple, actually. Kind of a spoiler there, sorry. But uh, I was really glad to finally see someone do that well. And the other characters I mentioned, he, he just excels with these characters in such a way. Um, and it is, it is incredible. So issue six was uh, great. I could even see them moving forward in the deceased universe since they already did the, the one shot. But... Um, Loved, obviously, what he did on Injustice and loved what he did here. So I would love to see him continue doing outside-of-continuity work in, in DC and including Marvel as well. So we'll see there with Tom Taylor, but another home-fucking-run from him. Criminal by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips is a really cool uh, comic about thieves, and I really appreciate when... Um, kind of like underground fiction goes against just doing mob crime stuff. I like crime stuff that's outside of that. So like Breaking Bad or Criminal being about thieves. Um, extremely good comic. Highly recommended. Shout out to Rat Queens uh, 19 and Bloodborne 16. Bloodborne, if you're a fan of the game, this is such a cool comic because it's not trying to like tell you a big fucking story or anything like that it is just being fucking insane like the game and i really enjoyed what like they the did sound of it. that yeah it is just like a comic book about going insane is basically what the bloodborne comic is and it's fucking fantastic it's so cool uh, movies. I watched The Nightingale, as we talked about. Not a horror movie like The Babadook, uh, mm. but 
still really interesting and compelling nonetheless. I won't really get into it because I don't want to spoil anything. It's a very intricately woven drama, but it is very good and certainly worth a watch. Uh, Star Wars Attack of the Clones is officially the worst Star Wars movie. <laughs> and I could not fathom how bad it was. I could, I could not fathom that it was so much worse than I remember. And so now what we're looking at with uh, my rewatch here is I just need to see whether Revenge of the Sith... Basically where the quality uh, difference is between Revenge of the Sith and The Last Jedi. Because I think that The Last Jedi is a bad movie. I think that it is the worst Star Wars movie outside of the prequels, but there's always a possibility that it could be worse than Revenge of the Sith. I don't think that's going to happen, but we're about to find out. So, confirming once I watch. Uh, At least we can all agree that Episode Revenge 2 is not great. All of us have that same opinion, right? Hopefully, Dom, are you Absolutely. A, are you an Episode 2 apologist? No, oh, I mean, Dom, I really... Dom's like I really, the prequels. Yeah, I really like it um, as far as like where it ranks in all of them. It's towards the bottom, yeah. Oh, it's dead. Dom, you gotta rewatch the prequels, man. Like, I, I, if you're like me, you haven't watched them since you were a kid. Like, it's different than you remember. It's different. Yeah, I rewatched. It was uh, actually it's it's not been since uh, just before the Force Awakens, so a couple years ago. Oh, okay. So that's yeah. that's recent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For me, it's like Episode okay. One has cool okay. stuff, not great. Episode Three, not great. Episode Two bad 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 <laughs> out of those so, three i think that's how i would explain kind of the the three trilogies of star wars jared for me is i think the original trilogy is really cool ideas executed excellently for the most part i think the prequel trilogy is some really cool ideas exited executed very poorly for the most part and i think that the sequel trilogy with disney is some really cool ideas executed pretty much average i would say for the most part and it's unfortunate that you know the most recent stuff is i would say the worst stuff of star wars i'm saying like the last 20 years not not the last jedi but uh yeah it it just sucks that like it's been so long since the best star wars you know so that's where we're at we'll see how revenge of the sith goes this coming week uh Monster with Charlize Theron. That's a cool movie. Uh, Rewatch Joker with my brother. I uh, feel the same way that I did the first time. I think that I would just echo my original sentiments. Watch through the animated films of Don Bluth. So you guys may be familiar with some of these. Banjo the Woodpile Cat, The Secret of Nim, An American Tale, and The Land Before Time. Um, he still has more for me to go through Anastasia and All Dogs Go to Heaven to name a couple um, but he's kind of like an anti-Disney guy he walked out of Disney and, and took some people with him and was trying to rival Disney in the 80s and 90s and I'm sure we've heard of some of these movies but um, re some really cool stuff there man like um, you know I'm, I know he has some movies that are much less well regarded later on but some really cool stuff in these non-Disney, uh, but same quality level movies from the 80s and 90s. Some really great stuff there. So, Secret of Nim might be a fucking masterpiece the more I think about it. Like, that shit is so fucking cool. Um, it's about, like, animals. It's about anthropomorphic animals on a farm. But Nim is the National Institute for Mental Health. And it's all about, 
like how they were experimented on and like how that turned them into anthropomorphic animals. Sorry, I just spoiled that whole movie. Nonetheless, still worth a watch, still a masterpiece. I think you should check it out. Uh, finally, and I won't be too long on this, but man, oh man, I watched Primal, Jared. Um, season one, actually part one of Primal, I found out they're doing season one, part two in 2020. Uh, this is Genda Tartikovsky's latest effort, and he is the creator of Dexter's Laboratory and Samurai Jack and Star Wars The Clone Wars Micro Series, uh, which is the 2D animated version, which I love um, and greatly improves the prequels. Uh, but anyways, uh, Samurai Jack's obviously one of my favorite shows of all time, and uh, after Samurai Jack Season 5 on Adult Swim, um, moving into Primal, it's uh, kind of a perfect bridge, and I think it's really cool how Primal is taking a lot of stuff from Samurai Jack. How like they used to do the kind of like silent film type of thing, where there would be like almost no dialogue throughout an episode of Samurai Jack, and it'd just be sound effects and music, and that is all that Primal is. It's this almost like buddy story between a dinosaur and a caveman and they're fighting you know all these crazy animals or whatever um and there's no dialogue whatsoever it's all just sound effects and music and it is gorgeously animated um after watching don blue stuff and being like why isn't disney still animating in 2d at all why is their last animated film winnie the pooh from 2011 like that sucks like that's that that is just such a medium kind of lost to time at this point. Hopefully it'll be revived. And looking, going into Primal and seeing that, it's like, wow, maybe we do have a chance. Maybe there is something there. Maybe it is going to be revived because um, Genda Tartikovsky's still doing it, man. He's still out there um, being an OG in the traditional animation space and killing it. So shout, huge shout out to Primal. Can't wait to see what they do in 2020. Hell yeah. I actually saw a thing that uh, Disney's actually looking towards going back to 2D animation for stuff on uh, Disney Plus because the, like the having the install base gives them the financial backing to be secure in doing them, you know? So Yeah. It's disappointing that a company as big as them needs that like that financial incentive to keep hope alive when they're the ones that brought it about, you know, brought about the dream of that stuff in the first place yeah. on a mainstream large scale. So it sucks that that's the case, but you know, at this point, it's gotten so so sad when it comes to that situation that I'll take it, man. If that's what it takes, you know, Disney launching their own streaming service to finally get their ass in gear, fucking so be it. it it's strange in retrospect, like them acquiring Pixar is one of the worst things that happened to that because they just lean on Pixar, you know what I mean, to do their stuff, and then yeah. they're like, we don't even have to do 2D well, animation. Anymore. And that's the thing it's like pixar killed traditional animation fucking oh, yeah. murdered that shit yeah. you know so that's a whole other conversation but shout out to primal and traditional animation shout out uh let's hop into the news here um first off one thing i didn't include in the news that's not necessarily breaking news but it was something that came up after i had wrote down all of the news for um for uh the show sorry i'm trying to pull up the tweet because it disappeared trying to stall for time uh oh okay here it is so something that came up with ubisoft remember last week we talked about some of their delays that they had for their games 
they kind of clarified something here that for the five AAA games they're releasing between April 2020 and March 2021, they're all going to be cross-gen. So uh, this will include, obviously, Watch Dogs Legion, Rainbow Six Quarantine, Gods and Monsters, and two other announced games, one of those likely being Assassin's Creed. This is something we assumed that was possible, but the fact that they're kind of confirming that, that they'll be cross-gen titles um, kind of takes away any questioning about that and lets us know that they are planning to do that. I think some of them people yeah. weren't sure of at launch because of when, like, when is Watch Dogs Legion going to launch? It's going to launch before the next-gen consoles, right? So it'll still be cross-gen, but the, the previous-gen one might release before the consoles even come out. So will they do that? They were the ones that did the $10 upgrade, right, for last-gen? Where if you bought Assassin's Creed on Xbox 360, you could buy it for Black Flag. You could buy it for ten bucks on Xbox One, right? No, <clears throat> wasn't it? That was uh, Call of Duty. Assassin's Creed had two different games, so they had Rogue. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. No, they did they have two game games, was... but I thought they also did the trade-up program because Black Flag came out on last gen. Right. Uh, well, I don't think it did. I thought it didn't. I will after. bet you every no, dollar of no, my no, savings no, 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 account. No, no, no. Unity didn't come out on last gen. Unity was part of the two game thing. I'll look it up. Black Flag was cross generation. Really? Yeah. Shit. Because I had it on 360 and then I got it on Xbox One. I was like, oh, so this is where it was meant to be played. (laughs) Got it. Okay. Yeah, it released on PS3, 360, Wii U, PlayStation 4. Wii U. Yeah. And it recently released on Switch, too. Which it probably runs better there than it did on the 360. Um, so yeah, nothing surprising here. Just nice to see that they are, we are going to have some crushing titles. And this means that most people, if they hear about this, should probably wait for those games for next gen. Because in their report as well, they yeah. said that they're optimizing them for next gen. So if you're planning on getting the new console, wait to get those games on the new console as well. Don't waste your oh, man. I, I feel like I'm the only one getting hung up on this in the world. But I'm, I'm still hung up on it. On what? That's just, it's just weird to me. So they're going to, they're going to put out. Assassin's Creed whatever on PS4 and Xbox One and it's going to be that game and then that game that same disc is going to work on PS5 and Scarlet right but it's going to look exactly See, the same the thing about these cross-gen games is I'm like isn't everything going to be cross-gen well it's harder it's no harder what? now because of backwards compatibility of like why right, right. and yeah like what's the the bump is not going to be worth anything so yeah, why wouldn't you always and just that's... buy the PS4 version of Ghost of Tsushima or whatever, and then play it on your PS5? I don't think you're gonna especially get that much now, of a bump. especially now that I'm conditioned that oh, there's a, a PS4 game, you know, looks one way on base PS4, but in my PS4 Pro, right. the same exact disc looks much better. Now yeah. that I'm conditioned that that's just free and it's the same game, it's gonna be weird. It's like I don't know that I want. Certainly, you don't buy both. It well, I'm be buying a new it, console anyways. I'm buying a new console anyway, so I'm just like, if I'm going to spend 60 bucks, might as well buy the one that has the... They're both going to be $60, right? But here's the interesting question yeah, that kind weird. of Dom just raised, which is like, if they were currently making PS4 games and PS4 Pro versions of those games that cost $10 extra, what would we be buying? Yeah, that'd be... Yeah, I'm not so sure weird. what I would buy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this is all assuming they both cost $60. I'm just going to get the next-gen one. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. very weird. You bring up a good point with, with backwards compatibility. Uh, I just can't wait to see how it how they different publishers you know do this, <laughs> you know. I just think they're they're just gonna be like here we're putting out both versions for sixty bucks buy whatever one you want you figure it out be confused if you want just yeah. give us your money. <laughs> I think honestly Probably. that's what it's gonna be. 
Um, they, they could care less if you have confusion as long as they get your money right. Uh, so speaking of selling things, uh, PlayStation 4 has now become the second best-selling console of all time in terms of sold in. So remember, this is shipped units, not necessarily sold, but still awesome in its own right. Because these are the numbers that uh, PlayStation tracks lifetime as well are sold and not necessarily sold through. So it now currently sits at 102.8, which means it passed PlayStation 1 and the Wii. And it's second to only the PS2, which still sits at 155 million units sold in. Man, that's so crazy. Still, which is not only... PS2. It's not only the best-selling console of all time, it's the best-selling video game hardware. Because the way it works now is it's PlayStation 2, number 2 is Nintendo DS, number 3 is Game Boy and Game Boy Color. They merge them together for some reason. And then number 4 is PlayStation 4. So PlayStation 4 is the second-best console, but obviously fourth-best in terms of any video game hardware. Portables included, yeah. yeah. So... Big ups to them. I remember there was this idiot on this podcast that said one time that, like, the PS4 was never going to pass 100 million units sold. Yeah, what, yeah, you, like, a month ago. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> a month ago. Friends, no, it was, like, a year and a half ago. Okay, huh? it was a long time ago. Remember okay. what his friend said on that at that There's point? There's no way it doesn't pass 100 million, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you guys didn't say idiot, but, yeah, pretty much same sentiment. Um, but we all said it definitely wouldn't pass PS2. There's just no way. Oh, yeah. Possible. there's. I don't think any video game console will ever, unless there's some weird future where, like, Sony and Microsoft merge to release one specific console and everyone has to buy that console, right? I think that's maybe. Even then? Even then, that's like a, I don't know. Because you got to assume, like, a good portion of people are both, you know? Yeah. So then they're just only buying one. So I don't know that your numbers go up that much, right? Well, no, but the crazy thing is even if you combine total uh, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One sales, it doesn't equal 155. Yeah, exactly my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, next up, this is something that uh, is good not only for video games but for uh, athletes in general. The NCAA unanimously, seemingly out of nowhere, voted in favor of allowing collegiate athletes the opportunity to license out their names, images, and likenesses. Uh, so basically they can earn money off of playing collegiate sports. Uh, these athletes bring in millions of dollars to these universities and they never really get anything outside of it. Uh, I mean, they get a full ride scholarship, don't be wrong, but they also don't get anything from playing on these sports teams and basically putting their bodies on the line for these universities. And this is kind of ushered in the possibility for the return of college sports games. If you remember, EA used to make college basketball. They used to make NCAA football, which in my opinion is leagues and shoulders above any Madden game ever. Uh, the NCAA games are just so much better. <laughs> I think you combined a couple things there. Leagues, and, uh, shoulders leagues and, and shoulders, leagues. yeah, leagues and shoulders, leagues, shoulders, so, head and toes. So, Jared, I got a little bit on this. I was listening to some Mike Golick this morning. I forget what his show is called, but I like that uh, guy. Mike and Mike. It used to be Mike and Mike, but it's he, he it used does to it with be. his son now. It's Mike and yeah. something, yeah, something. Yeah, Mike anyway, and Will Mike. They had, uh, I don't know if it was a guest or who it was, they had someone else on who basically was got, trying to dig deeper into the the legality of what exactly was going on. And so there's a couple states, specifically California already passed it. Yep. And two in uh, North Carolina, I think, and Florida have bills, you know, in the process of being passed that basically like, override anything the NCAA can do and basically say, no, these players can do this regardless of the NCAA rules, right? But what the NCAA voted uh, that you just said was on these players are allowed to make money on their likeness within the collegiate framework. Yeah. So it's some phrase like that, which could mean literally anything, but most likely it doesn't mean shit as far as what we assume it to mean. It might, it might mean the collegiate framework might be like, you know, only within 
profit of $100 a year or something where it's basically negligible, right? Um, but that do, that doesn't, you know, that's not going to stop um, all these states from passing these laws if they choose to, right? So potentially this NCAA decision was just trying to appease some states from passing certain bills, um, but I don't think it's the full the full thing we want yet. Well, I think it's coming. Uh, I think this is a middle ground thing of them basically protecting themselves if that does end up happening, right, where mo- almost all states do it. Because they even threatened California saying that, well, if you guys are going to pass that, then no uh, college in the state of California can compete in a championship. That's what their thing was in right. response to California passing that bill was, okay, you guys can pay your athletes, but you got none of your teams are eligible for any championships moving forward in the NCAA. So, but then right. they passed this. They, we'll see what happens. And they can potentially sue anyway and say your law is actually unconstitutional on the federal level. It'd be a whole fun mess to watch play out. I'm really excited. Yeah, I mean, with the money the NCAA has, I don't know. I don't know if it necessarily be in favor of California. But with this passing, I don't think they're planning on that. I think that was an empty threat. I think they were hoping that more more states wouldn't follow and that they're seeing that. I think they had to come together. The fact that it was a unanimous vote means that there's something else going on behind the scenes. You know, it's odd that it was – they were so against it. They say, oh, no, let's vote unanimously, and there's that vague language. Um, I'm not fully behind being that pessimistic, but I wouldn't doubt that happening in terms of it being right, that type right. of language for that case, but who knows. Uh Next up, uh, Death Stranding will be releasing in summer 2020 on PC, published by 505 Games, and a bunch of Sony fanboys are pissed off. That's pretty much a news story there. (laughs) Yeah, a bunch of people got mad on Twitter because the game's coming out on PC almost a year later. Which we already knew. We just didn't know when. Yeah. And who was publishing it, I guess, but I'm pretty sure that it was already known. No, it was rumored. It was rumored that it was coming to PC pretty much confirmed you're right but it wasn't like official this is like official um right yeah and it's just it's one of those weird things where like sony fanboys were there was always this argument with them recently of like well all microsoft first party games come out on pc so they're not even exclusive so when this happens at death stranding (laughs) it's a blow to their dumb argument i guess and they a bunch of people were pissed off on twitter because i don't know this has been a story three fucking times now and I'm tired yeah. of getting online and see people going, Death Stranding is coming to PC every three fucking months. It's not a new story. Well, yeah, I it know, is because this is the first time it's confirmed. I, I know it's been rumored. I know it's been rumored. But the last time it was rumored, it was on a Sony website and they took it down. We know yeah. the fucking game's coming to PC. Stop making it a headline. Well, I think 505 Games publishing it is odd, too. It's a weird publishing partner. Not another weird. headline! The big news story there is that 505 Games, the last game they published on PC was uh, Epic Store exclusive. So that's why people are kind of worried is that when Death Stranding comes to PC, it'll be an Epic Store exclusive. So, oh, God, the I horror. Swear to God. Uh, downloading a separate if client. That whole argument, man. Months, God damn it. Like, if I wake up in four months and hop on my computer and it's like, by the way, Death Stranding's coming to PC on the Epic you- Game Store. If this is another will happen, story, you know, it will hundred percent, hundred percent. Because I just don't want to hear any more about Death Stranding. Gamers PC. outrage okay. Death Stranding exclusive to Epic Games. Because Jordan, even if it's care. not an Epic exclusive, if it does come to Steam, that's also going to be a story. Just so prepare yourself. Yeah, it doesn't it's come to Epic Game Store. Epic. Yeah, right. Uh, Either way or both, and then it'll be a story. It's going to have a fucking Game of the Year edition. Game of the Year edition coming to PC. I don't yeah. fucking care. 
uh, I'm interested to see the reviews for that game. I I think it could range all across the board. Nothing lower than yeah. maybe like a 6.5, but I'm very interested to see where it lands with people. Um, next up, Call of Duty. We have some sales numbers. It hit a, a 608 million sell-through in three days. And if you're wondering, oh, is the Call of Duty franchise slumping? This was their biggest opening for the franchise this generation. <laughs> so it's the best-selling Call of Duty since PS4 and Xbox One have released, making crazy amounts of money. The only games to make more money in that span of three days are at this generation are GTA V and Red Dead Redemption 2. So Rockstar has one game that finally competes because uh, it always does. Man, but... that's crazy because that version of GTA V was a re-release, and it still was that good sales-wise. Yeah. Uh, crazy. It's – Well, but – we count GTA sales as one entity, right? Well, it's since 2013, and didn't GTA 5 come out in 2013 on last gen? I think it yeah. came out. Shit, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, Good I'm point. pretty sure it did. Okay. Uh, so, Never yeah, mind. it does count both, I'm pretty sure. Still, <laughs> really impressive. Uh, Modern Warfare is, you know, the a, a sub-franchise that people have been yearning for since MW3. It's my personal sub-franchise of the Call of Duties. I'm not really a Black oh. Ops guy. Uh, so I think a lot of people are hopping back in and it's pretty good. The only controversy, there's no like loot box controversy with this game. Hopefully in a month, there's not yet. The only controversy yeah. with it is they, they changed, uh, a mission in the game. That's based on a real world mission for the enemies to be Russians instead of Americans. And people are mad that it's American propaganda. I'm like, it's. It's a, a war game developed in the United States. You don't think it's going to be pro-USA? Like, I don't know. Just a weird non-story to me. Yeah. And like, you don't expect that to happen? I don't know. Anyways, let's hop into all this EA news. Uh, some good stuff, some bad stuff, some we'll see what happens stuff. Um, pretty much as it goes for Electronic Arts. So this is via their fiscal investor call that they have. Uh, every quarterly uh, report that they do they end up having to call their investors and let them know what's going down for the future this one is particularly interesting because with the next generation on the horizon they actually jumped into a lot of that stuff discussing their plans going into ps5 and xbox 2 or whatever they plan to call it project scarlet so i'm going to hit through these things if you want to talk about something specifically just shout it out uh in a recent investor call ea sheds light on their plans for the coming year with next generation consoles on the horizon Here's everything worth note. First, 50% of their full game sales on PS4 and Xbox One over the last 12 months were digital. It's really good. Obviously, we know we're going headed towards the digital That's future. A big one. Yep, 50% of their games being sold digitally. Uh, and obviously, EA is a huge publisher, so that's pretty important. Uh, next up, with the release, uh, this wasn't in the investor call necessarily. There were bits and parts of it. Um, but with the release of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, EA will return to Steam and release their games on Valve's platform. This also includes EA Access. That's coming to Steam as well. And it's going against their own exclusivity for Origin, which is their own PC client where they were selling games exclusively. Not a surprise. They want that Star Wars game to sell. I think that shows that Origin probably isn't as successful or worth it to them, right? So it's like, let's just put all of our games back on Steam uh, there's no point not to. So, there's that. And I kind of, I kind of don't like it. You know, it kind of like gives power to all the, all the you know hardcore Steam people that are all upset about Epic. Like, oh man, even EA, you know, 
has to put their games on our platform because we won't move like we won't buy it on origin so we force them to bring it back it's it feels my like it's o- just giving them a, a tip you know my only argument is epic game store functioning functions pretty well obviously it's missing some features people don't but it functions well origin is kind of buggy still um i've used it here and there for uh nda tests and other stuff and it just doesn't work super well, especially for like a publisher like EA, where you expect it to be running well if they expect to make money. I do agree with you. It's, it's, this is another kick in the bucket of like, see, they're moving back to Steam. Epic, just stop right. doing what you're doing. You know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Speaking of stopping what you're doing, NBA Live 20 was canceled. And if you're like, hey, hasn't that series been canceled before? Yeah, this is the fourth time this generation <laughs> the franchise has canceled Jeez. the game. Uh, fourth time this generation. Fourth time in seven years ish, six seven years. So how many games have they released this generation? Three or Two? four, three. Yeah, it's not been great. There's the one with Joel Embiid. There's the one with Russell Westbrook. I can't remember the other one. So they basically stated we're taking our time to get it right. The focus will be on next gen. So this we're assuming that they're going to be releasing this either next year or the year after. They just haven't been able to compete with NBA 2K. And obviously this always sparks the question of if they didn't have the exclusivity license on the NFL, would they lose out to a 2K football game, right? People always bring up that argument. So (laughs) it's just a shame to see this game canceled once again because like we always talk about, competition is best for things because it sparks innovation. And that's a huge argument against Madden where they haven't really innovated that much year to year. Whereas with 2K, NBA Live keeps trying to claw at them and they just can't surpass them, even with all of the microtransactions issues the 2K series has had in the last couple of years. So there's that. It's funny. It's funny how capitalism finds a way to somehow make itself anti capitalism. <laughs> yeah. That sounds weird, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, Battlefield. Wondering where Battlefield's been. The next Battlefield game will ship between April 2021 and March 2022. This wasn't mentioned, but I wrote this in, so likely holiday 2021, because Battlefield usually releases in the holiday. Uh, This is giving, obviously, Battlefield, the franchise, a lot of time to breathe, and I don't think they want to usher in a cross-gen title and it be meh, because (coughs) Battlefield 5 released and sold meh. So it looks like they're going to be taking their time to release uh, a good Battlefield game, whether that's a mainline entry or Bad Company or something else that they are veering towards who knows, but don't expect Battlefield anytime soon, at least not in 2020. Uh, next up, Apex Legends, which is a game I love. It's currently a goatee contender for me. Uh, they announced it has surpassed 70 million players life to date, so obviously this isn't concurrent. That means that 70 million players have played Apex Legends, which is still pretty impressive. And they said with Battlefield being on hiatus till 2021, Apex Legends will be their primary shooter focus for 2020. They're still looking to release it on mobile, and they haven't released it in China either. So they're going to get big boosts from both of those markets. It's impressive that they've already hit 70 million. They talked about how free-to-play is really good for that game and how it's led to a lot of success. So I'm excited for them to focus on it next year. I hope that doesn't come with any negatives in terms of focus of like, this is our main shooter. Let's stuff it with as many macro transactions as we can. Um, Hopefully that's not the case, but we'll see. Speaking of sports titles, we mentioned earlier we were talking about uh, NBA Live. Between April 2020 and March 2021, they're going to add one more sports title to the annual slate. 
Now, people saw this and they immediately thought, because of the NCAA news, oh my God, NCAA football is coming out in 2021. Sadly, EA responded to the NCAA stuff and said, hey, we're looking into it, but the earliest you'll even hear about a game if if we end up making one will be 2021. So... I personally wouldn't expect to hear about uh, a game then, but who knows? We'll see. And uh, you think this is just them like a- annualizing UFC? Uh, no, because this is on top of this is an additional sports franchise. So it's either something okay. they haven't released in a long time, like cricket, uh, or it's or obviously NCAA cricket. football, or it's a brand new franchise for like snowboarding or skateboarding or something. Um, and like I said, it's going to be releasing between April 2020 and March 2021. So with NCAA football, there's no way an NCAA football game with the news today is going to come out next fall, right? It's not happening. Yeah. Uh, in addition to that, in that same time period, Medal of Honor VR is coming out. Two unannounced third-party partnership titles, which could potentially be um, EA Originals or something else. And lastly, this is the thing that got me excited some exciting remasters of fan favorites now boys (laughs) i want obviously mass effect trilogy remaster obviously but the disservice they did to visceral they also better give us some dead space love (sighs) dude i oh dude oh man how i feel like that's just an excuse to not release a dead space for a skate game we're gonna remaster them there you go kids yeah, I mean, I'll take them if that's all we're going to get. You know what I mean? But, it could be. Yeah. Jordan, the, the the bright side could be like maybe that's it just so they're testing, you know, the, the popularity, the viability with just a remaster because it's cheaper to do, right? And then if that blows the doors off, then they're like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll make a full-on sequel now. And we see that it's still – the market will still pay for it, right? So hopefully that's how that goes. I think we have to thank Activision for this, unfortunately, in a weird back backwards way because of Spyro and Crash. Those games both sold really well and Activision said that this could lead to future entries in the series, right? Um, and I yeah. don't think those games... They sold very well for what they are, but I think a Mass Effect remaster and a Dead Space remaster... Dead Space not so much because that obviously is kind of a niche in terms of it being horror, but those games could sell very well if the if the remasters are done right and have some love put behind them. So yeah. that's the thing, man. We talked about Blue Point and we're like, what are they remaking? And obviously, there's all these rumors of Demon Souls. It would be a true mark of them wanting it to be done with care and love and attention if EA hired Blue Point to do the Mass Effect remaster. And Blue Point did say the only hint they gave us right was it's, it's big. big, yeah. Which well, I mean, I, I don't, but I, I think their next thing has got to be a remake. If their next thing is big and they're coming off of Shadow of the Colossus remake, I don't think they're doing a simple remaster. I think they're well, doing a full up remake. For the full quote for this hmm. was some exciting remasters slash remakes of beloved franchises. Yeah, but I don't think is Mass Effect in need of a, a full remake or just a remaster? One is. You know, like, I think one is for modern standards. Dude, no way. I just played that game a couple of years ago and loved it. I don't think it's nearly as clunky as people say. At, at least with the remaster, they need to fix those elevator load times. I love Mass Effect 1, but there are some <laughs> things they need like, to fix. You're talking about remaking from the ground up a game from the last generation. The Crash and Spyro remakes are from like three gens ago 
So yeah. that's when you need to remake a game, in my opinion, is is when the technology has changed so much that it's going to fundamentally change in a really good way the way that you you experience the game. And it's I not hear what you like necessarily the mechanics. The things they could but, fix with a remake wouldn't necessarily justify the budget of one because it won't change it as drastically because it isn't as old. I I really understand. understand. That's a, a good point. That leans me more towards a remaster than a remake. What are you going to say, Dom? Dude, if anything happens with Mass Effect, it's going to be a remaster, I guarantee you. Because even if they like redid the trilogy, that's the thing. Is like If you're going to do one, you're going to have to remake the whole trilogy, and then that gets into the whole, like, yeah. it's already a controversial trilogy, and you've had all this Andromeda controversy, and that's that's got to be tough for them. It's not. That's like what I was gonna going ask. Back and remaking your favorite thing, like that Mass Effect trilogy has a lot of stuff embroiled in it. People still that's what I was buy it like hotcakes, like, though. Sure. Yeah. Do you think there's a possibility of you know Mass Effect One gets remade from the ground up, um, obviously then sold on its own, probably sixty bucks, of course, right? This is still EA we're talking about, um, and then. That's it. That's all we know. And then later on, two and three are just so, remasters. I think or, that's a different difference you know. in argument, right? Because I think me and Jordan are both assuming it'd be a package deal, right? The trilogy. If it's a right. tri- if they're packaged together, remaster all the way. I don't think they'd even have time to remake all three games. If they yeah. if they release them piecemeal, Final Fantasy VII style. Uh, obviously, it's different because it's one game being split, but same kind of thing. I think that there's more potential there for a remake. Um, yeah, yeah exactly. interesting. We'll see. Uh, next up, where did I leave off? Uh, fan favorite. Okay. Future plans. So this is stuff a little bit farther out, 2022 onward. Uh, here are some of the future plans they mentioned. Moda's working on a new IP. Uh, obviously, they're currently, we thought we were working on a Star Wars game. We'll get to that a little later. But, yeah, so a new IP for Motive is expected. New EA Sports titles, which you kind of already know because they said they want to add one next year. Uh, and probably NCAA football if that comes around to it as well. More EA Originals. They said they want to double down on that as well. We heard the, about the two unannounced third-party partnerships that could be EA Originals. And they also said there's currently projects in development at DICE. We assume that's Battlefield, which they already mentioned. Bioware, which we'll get into. Maxis, which is, I think, working on the Command & Conquer remaster. And Criterion, who we haven't heard from them, correct me if I'm wrong, Jordan, since that, like, off-road sports game, right? It was, they like, an off-road, like... Aerial Combat in Battlefront 2, Jared. But did they it, weren't, were didn't they already game. announce that, like, four-wheeler, like, off-road game? Like, right, ATV? so they had this, they had this, like, all-terrain kind of racer driving game. That was very early in development, way before it should have ever been shown uh, at EA's E3 maybe four or five years ago. That was canceled, and then they were relegated to working on a piece of the (laughs) multiplayer uh, for Battlefront 2. And it's really sad, man, because, you know, Ghost is, like, broken off and gone to do the Need for Speed franchise, and it would be great to see them uh, Criterion whoever's left there from the old days I guess go back and do a burnout game but who knows uh, and the last two things so a new Star Wars title is in development and it will release before April 2022 
We assume this might be Motive's game. Uh, interesting tidbit here. If you, listeners, if you listen to the Kind of Funny Games Daily, on the day that we're recording this, uh, October, I was going to say August, October 30th, Gary Whitta, the writer of Rogue One, and I think he was a story consultant on Walking Dead Telltale as well, he actually hinted at this Star Wars game. Who's to say if he had any uh, consultation with it or whatever, but he basically talked about right. this too, of knowing about it. Now, hasn't there been a Star Wars game canceled since Visceral's game? Uh, Visceral's game, Motive's game, Respawn's game. I don't think so. That that sounds about I it. I think it was right. just Visceral's game. It was Amy Hennig's game, yeah. But I think we just didn't know much so, about Motive at all. If it was, it was just shrouded. The thing with Motive is that Jade Raymond left to Google Stadia. But I don't think another yeah. one was canceled. And EA announced that this game's coming out. So I don't, were you asking in terms of is this the game that got canceled or? No, I was just trying to remember. I could have sworn there's another one canceled since Visceral. Not, not that I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, while you're looking, that, while you're looking that up, the last thing they announced that Dragon Age Four is in development, but don't expect it until after April 2022. Whew. To me, this reads, this is Bioware's last attempt at not disappearing into the ether and. Uh, EA not cutting bait with them and shutting them down. Um, One thing that was mentioned today also on Kind of Funny Games Daily by a a reader that I didn't even think about is uh, Alberta, Canada is losing its video game tax. And if you're unfamiliar, uh, basically these video game taxes or taxes for certain types of businesses help businesses come to these cities because they get tax breaks and it incentivizes new business for the economy in certain locations. Basically, Canada wants to diversify a lot of their business structure, so they shut down the video game tax in a number of provinces in Canada. So, Bioware also might not be long for this world if they stay in Canada as well. So, as well as other Canadian video game developers who kind of rely on those taxes. So, uh, Jordan, any update in terms of did you find out if there was another game canceled? Project Orca. <laughs> so I'm not sure. This has something to do with Amy Hennig's visceral game. Project Ragtag. Ragtag. Yeah. Was Amy Hennig's game. I think they might have canceled the game that visceral's game turned into. Does that make oh, sense? They yeah, yeah, that's sense. what it is. That's what it is because they shut down Visceral. Sense. That game technically wasn't canceled, but they took yeah. all the parts of Ragtag and were trying to assemble Jared, it into something else. They canceled the game twice is what they yeah. did. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Damn. That's brutal. Well, they canceled, destroyed that developer, sent everyone away. Yeah. Like, we're going to use all your work and try to put it into something else. Just kidding or not. Uh, yeah, so there's that. Um, a lot of interesting news sucks. Dragon age four is still so far away. Um, hopefully we get, like we talked about earlier, Starfield before that. Um, I'm obviously the launch of consoles is not never really great. At least we're going to have halo infinite, which I'm excited to see how that lands. But, um, 
I, I'm curious to see if it's going to match the normal pattern of we have to wait maybe two and a half to three years into a console's life cycle to start getting some of the bigger franchises to land on it with the install base, or if we're going to yeah. see them maybe a little bit earlier because of backwards compatibility and trying to uh, get in there as early as you can. So we'll see what happens. I just got to say, what the fuck were they doing with this game that got canceled twice? Like Project Ragtag that got turned into Project Orca. Like, what the fuck were well, you guys doing, EA? God damn. I think I think there's a good explanation for that. Because all the Ragtag stuff They're better was leaked. Be. Right? Well, it was all leaked, right? Like sure, Schreier sure. Was, had the in or whatever and got a bunch of info. And that was all stuff we were never supposed to know about. We knew that Amy Henning was working on a game. I think that was official. But right. And we were going to find out it got canceled when she left in some form, probably. But it was Are also you saying leaked. that Jason Schreier's article affected Project Orca? No, uh, no, 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 no. I would no, no, say no. yes. I'm just saying, well, I mean, maybe. You but think so? I'm just saying part of the details of his article was that the parts of what remained was going to try to be reutilized for a new game, right? That was right. never going to be public information. And who knows to the extent of what No, 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 no. They really said was. that as soon as they killed Visceral. They said, hey, hey. We killed Visceral, but we're going to let some other people work on their game. It's okay. So was that like an officially released detail? Yeah. Yeah, they told us that Tiburon, which is used to work on Madden, right? Yeah. They, up in Canada, were going to work on it with somebody else, maybe? With Motive or something like that? They were going to, okay. It was going to be an EA like tandem project, essentially. But that, and my yeah, theory Project is shot. Orca. So they didn't tell us. They didn't tell us it was called Project Orca, obviously. But yeah, they told us that we're we're salvaging this game, and I just oh, it's such a clusterfuck with EA and Star Wars video games. But my my big thing is that I hope with the success of Apex Legends and hopefully the success with Jedi Fallen Order, that EA sees that like, hey, maybe not cramming all of your developers into making games on the Frostbite engine is a good thing but maybe let him use different engines it's a yeah it is very interesting that respawn has had a lot of success with their games under ea and they are the one studio that wasn't forced to use frostbite well and the, know, when they when they got purchased vincent pella asked for a chair on the board of directors at ea so like he has yeah. some pull there i don't know jared i feel like maybe part of me maybe 20 percent of me Almost wants Jedi Fallen Order. Now, hear me out. This is going to sound bad. But as a Detroit Lions fan, there comes a point in the season where you're like, nope, fuck it. I want them to tank this season. So that way we can at least start fresh, get a good draft pick, and so on, right? Yeah. So some small part of me wants Jedi Fallen Order to tank, to do the opposite, to show Disney that EA cannot handle this, and then they open up to other developers and end this exclusivity, right? And then maybe that ends like in a longer term better star wars games just by sacrificing one more to the wolves it's, right? that it's sounds interesting bad, to see if disney but... isn't already at that point though no matter how fallen order does right yeah that's also a good point it might not matter how well but <laughs> yeah. i feel like if it does well enough then there's a chance that ea gets you know another uh term of exclusivity with disney and, so and also remember we're getting another star wars game before 2022 before the deal ends from somebody who's not respawn so you still have your True. golden golden egg there of maybe they'll be the ones to screw it up for you <laughs> any way that that deal gets renewed yes yeah uh, i can't stand the thought of that man i just can't i need a Ubisoft either, star wars game possible 
The thing that sucks is John Drake came over from Sony to Disney for their video game series, but he specifically the Star Wars branch of it and the Marvel branch of it, which Marvel branch doesn't even be touched, obviously. But like he doesn't have any say in either of those. He has say in all well, of the other Disney properties. Marvel has the Spider-Man game, but people are like in love with Bill Roseman for whatever reason. But like Marvel games still is mostly just like future fight on mobile and shit like that. You know, it's like Ultimate Alliance three, but like we really don't have a lot of like Arkham Asylum level games it's not like we have a spider-man trilogy and now avengers is coming out well it started two years you don't even ago know if avengers like... is going to be well I, it's a big turnaround that's for sure it's much better i would much rather star wars be in a place like this but we still don't know how avengers is going to turn out so they are in better space a better space than than the star wars games but i'm still not convinced that they are just going to continuously knock them out of the park like spidey yeah, I'm just but going based least... on what we currently have, you know? <laughs> I'm not future projecting, because you're right. It could totally crash and burn. But as it currently is... Avengers, I... Avengers will show us a lot about Marvel games. But if it's not that great, or if it's, you know, if it's absolutely dog shit, I kind of doubt it. But if that's the case, if it's a Battlefront 2, then, you know, Disney can be like, well, Crystal Enix, you're not making another Star Wars game. Or, uh, sorry, yeah. Avengers game. Exactly. That'd they be the end of it. a different studio. Right. Yeah, which, yeah, helps with the not having exclusivity. Um, that's been the show. Talked for quite a <laughs> bit about a lot of interesting things. I like that conversation about uh, perspectives on, you know, shooting mechanics and all that stuff. It was really good. Came out of nowhere, which are the best conversations. The ones yeah. that aren't planned necessarily. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for listening to episode 164. Before we get into what we're going to be playing... In ter- I mean, before we get into the ending, in terms of what we're going to be playing, completely screw that up. Uh, more Outer Worlds. Turns out I found out that the Modern Warfare campaign is a lot shorter than I thought, so I should be able to finish. I think it's only six hours on, like, normal difficulty, which some people are pissed off about. I'm not. I didn't buy it specifically for only the campaign. If I did, I guess I'd be upset about that, but, you know, it's all about value. We've had that discussion before. Anyways, yeah. looking to finish that as well. Uh, update on Ukulele and the Impossible Layer. That name's pretty fitting because that last level is insane. Uh, if you do yourself a favor, go and watch the final level of Ukulele and the Impossible Layer. It is hard. I've gotten 70% damn. through the level, and basically through the whole game, you're collecting the bees. Remember I told you guys about those? Well, it turns out in the Impossible Layer, every bee you collected throughout the game is a hit you can take. So I have 38 of the bees. And I can take 38 hits in the game. Oh, fuck. That is always a bad idea. Because if someone wasn't aware that they were required to do that, they might only have two or three Bs. Because they were like, oh, that's that's extra. I just want to do the main stuff. Yeah. The thing is, though, this game isn't super story-focused. I don't feel any worse for not finishing the final level. It is... It tells you from the beginning of the game that it's going to be a challenge. It just doesn't spring out of nowhere, right? So, I don't think I'll quote-unquote finish the game. But I had a blast with it. I'll probably go back and collect more of the collectibles. But boy, howdy, is that final level. Perfect name. The Impossible Layer is right. Um, I do say that knocks it a little bit in terms of it being a great game for me. I was thinking of it yeah. through my playthrough it being like a, a, a solid 9. I think now I'm sitting more of like in the mid-8s a little bit. I think that's something I want them to improve with the, the next game. But still enjoyed my time with it. Uh, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, what about you guys? Outer Worlds. Hell yeah. Jordan? By the way, 
I just want to commend both of you gentlemen because uh, you haven't been babbling back and forth between Outer Wilds, Outer Worlds, Outer Wilds, Outer Worlds. It's it's not that fucking difficult. And I you guys agree are a thousand percent. Don't hold your breath. I, I will mess up that. Maybe not all the time, but I will no, mess it up. No, you'll mess it up. But like you guys, I'm not noticing it. Whereas oh, yeah. some yeah. other podcasts around the globe, um, you know, they, it's like, Jesus Christ. It's, they're different games and they're different names. I get that they're similar and they came out around the same time, but it's one of those like, <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. It's, it's so fun. It's so funny. It's so funny, guys. <laughs> yeah, Outer Wilds. When you're talking about Outer Worlds, it's so funny. So I'm glad that, you guys aren't aren't doing that. That sounded harsh, but I I really do agree with you. It's it's not that hard to get it right. Uh. Yeah. Uh, uh, in terms of what you're gonna be playing. <laughs> with that being said, <laughs> um, so definitely gonna be checking out uh, Revenge of the Sith, Star Wars Episode Three. Um. And I think this is like my real first complete rewatch of the prequel trilogy. I watched a fan edit uh, a few years ago, but um, this is me, you know, sitting down and going through the movies. And some stuff is worse than people say. Some people, some stuff is um, not as bad as, as people say, but they are they are bad movies. So that is unfortunate, uh, but. Uh, Revenge of the Sith. Um, let's see. I've got to check out that uh, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex movie. Um, I'm not going to be checking out Terminator Dark Fate. I think I'm going to wait on that until it comes out. And it'll be out at home in two months. You know, so it's like, it's a, you know, 75 on Metacritic, and I'm not like the biggest Terminator fan. Why? Why make a big hullabaloo? So. Uh, there's that. Um, what up? Oh, reading more criminal, dude. That is such a good fucking comic book, man. I'm digging that shit hardcore and, and can't recommend it enough. Um, so definitely some more criminal. And um, probably another Don Bluth animated film, such as. All Dogs Go to Heaven. Are you guys familiar with this film? Childhood favorite. Never yeah, seen it. Me too. Me too. Don Bluth kind of had like, you know, he split off from Disney and then he was able to do kind of some darker stuff. Even though Disney has its own dark side, right? But uh, some darker stuff that wasn't so, you know, Disney-fied basically. So um, All Dogs Go to Heaven is definitely like that because it deals with heaven and hell and, and these dogs trying to navigate that, so... Uh, childhood favorite, as Jared said, and I can't wait to rewatch it. Um, some high quality shit these Don Bluth films. I know there's there's stinkers out there, but um, he has greats. He has even masterpieces and stuff like Secret of Nim. So shout out to that. Uh, before I get into the little rigmarole, two last things I want to mention. If you're planning on picking up Pokemon Sword or Shield as of October 30th, you can currently pre-download them. So that's great. Thank you, Jared, for saying that because I was complaining about that to you last <laughs> week. Uh, well, another thing, uh, something for people who like physical stuff but like their games digital, you can actually buy the digital version of Sword or Shield and get a tin, an empty tin for it if you like hey, that. People wow. love the shit on that th- sort of thing, but I, I'd be all over that. My that, only complaint, cool. my only complaint 
is that you can't use the voucher for that specific version. You Which can't. Is a you can, yeah, you can, and they're the same price. They're both sixty bucks. It's kind of like um, the opposite of when they do a collector's edition and they don't have the game in it. Yeah, uh, I just got the regular version, pre-downloaded Sword. Can't wait. Um, in terms oh, of yeah, the rolling out uh, next week, going to be normal podcast. And uh, just uh, for those wondering, in December we pre-record our podcast, so we can be away for the holidays. So don't expect anything like pertinent to the news happening. It's mostly going to be evergreen stuff, just to give you a heads up. Thank you guys for listening. If you can, please follow us on iTunes. Leave us a, v- a review. It helps with the algorithm to move up in the charts so people can see us. Click on our little icon and listen to us talk about uh, uh, the shooting mechanics in Fallout. And what was the thing you just went on a rant on a little while ago? Um, Before you said what you're going to be were, playing. There's there's multiple things that I went <laughs> on rants about. Outer like, Worlds. Why wild. people keep talking. Oh, Outer Worlds, Death Outer Worlds. coming to PC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you go to YouTube and search Controlled Interest, we'll pop up there as well. Subscribe. Hit the bell notification so you know when we upload because YouTube subscription boxes can be fickle. I actually found out recently that YouTube somehow unsubscribed me from like three of my favorite channels on YouTube. And I had to go back and resubscribe to them. So that kind of Jesus was unfortunate. Jesus Christ. Dude, it's a fucking mess, man. Yeah. You can tell. You can just see that people are not getting the views that they used to. And it's just awful. Okay. Kind of Funny Games Daily gets recommended to me all the fucking time. I don't interact with the show, podcast form or video. And yet, the KFAFs, the Kind of Funny Podcasts, the uh, in-review shows that all they all do on Kind of Funny Prime, none of that shows up in my feed. And I'm subscribed <laughs> to both channels. Yeah. I watch all that other shit that they don't show me. And then the thing that I don't watch, they show me every fucking day. Yeah. Uh, what was the last thing? Oh, Twitter. Uh, if you go to Twitter, search at C-T-R-L-I-N-T. That's controlled interest abbreviated. Tweet out all of the videos and all of that stuff. You can follow Dom personally at Dom's Oreos. You can follow Jordan at Mellow Modus. And you can follow me at Jared underscore. Once again, still working on it. Uh, <laughs> we'll catch you guys next mm. week. Uh, see you then. Bye. <laughs>